COVID countermeasures for the Winter Olympics in Beijing don't sound like a lot of fun. Welcome to the Mix Zone. It's the weekly review of news from the world of the Olympics from Around the Rings. I'm Around the Rings founder and sometimes editor emeritus, Ed Hula. And I'm Gerard Farrick. I'm the managing editor of Around the Rings. We'll have more on the situation in Beijing in a moment. Also ahead, Boxing Federation AIBA says it's making strides toward restoring its tattered reputation. Madrid sets sights on another try for the Olympics. And the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee starts searching for a new chair. But first, let's head to uh, Beijing, and we're finally finding out uh, a few things of how it might work this yeah, time around. Yeah, how it might work. It'll, it'll, be, uh, it'll be a challenge, that's for sure, it sounds like. Um, we have the first in indication from the IOC in Beijing 2022 exactly how they're going to employ the coronavirus countermeasures. And it's going to be very similar to what happened with Tokyo, except perhaps a little stricter, a little bit less uh, less flexible than than uh, than Tokyo was. But uh, the big big takeaway from that, I think, is no overseas spectators to be allowed. Although there will be spectators from mainland China allowed if they can work it all out. Yeah, uh, and and of course the IOC and the IPC, the Paralympic Committee, were both in on these discussions, and they're both happy that at least there'll be some sort of spectators there. But it is, I mean, for the rest of the world, their their family and friends and spectators won't be there to cheer them on. So that's got to be a disappointment. Uh, uh, yeah, the sponsors as well. I think they'll be severely limited on the kind of uh, exposure they'll be able to get in uh, in China. And there certainly will be no uh, hospitality programs that the, uh, that the sponsors usually uh, conduct during the Olympic Games. So uh, again, uh, I think a disappointment there as well. Not only family and friends, but but spectators not allowed to uh, to go to, to China. And then once there, it's going to be... Uh, very tightly controlled. You won't be able to pop out of the bubble and uh, 21 days of quarantine if you don't have vaccinations. That's that's a that's a pretty big uh, pretty big club to beat over anybody who wants to be an anti-vaxxer in Beijing. Yeah, I was I was thinking that uh, okay, they're not requiring vaccinations per se, but they might as well be because. Who's going to want to go through 21 days in a in a quarantine? You know, I just don't think that's going to happen. They also say that if you can prove you have a medical exemption that you can't get the vaccine, that they will look at it on a case by case basis. And there was no mention of anything to do with religious reasons. It's simply medical exemptions. So I don't think there will be too many of those allowed. Uh, and and even with uh people who are vaccinated daily, daily coronavirus testing is supposedly part of the regime for Beijing next February. And what about, we still haven't heard anything, right, about a torch relay. Um, right, other than they're going to have the flame lighting ceremony 
in ancient Olympia, middle of October. I guess firm date. We're still waiting for word on that from the Greek and the uh, Beijing organizers, but uh, no word on how that torch relay might be held across China. So uh, still a lot up in the air. We're waiting for the issuance of playbooks that 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 precisely describe the uh, the the rules and regulations that need to be followed. For journalists around the rings, we'll have a, a team of journalists along with other uh, news organizations from around the world. But uh, we were waiting the playbooks that were similar to what was issued for Tokyo to come out for Beijing. We're promised that will be in the in the next month. And uh, one other thing to mention about uh, Beijing is uh, the hockey tournament and the doubts that are being raised now by the new president of the Ice Hockey Federation, Luke Tardif, who uh, spoke with uh, Brian Pinelli from around the rings just a few days ago, right after his election as new president of the Ice Hockey Federation. Yeah, the problem is, well, and I think the Ice Hockey Federation knew that China, China is ranked 32nd in the world. So they're not a very strong hockey nation, but the idea was they would, you know, work hard, find a way to improve their their team, and uh, at least be respectable when they when it came to playing in the tournament. Because every host ha has played, they were given the entrance because it's traditional that the host nation have a team, even if it may not be, it, even if it couldn't have qualified on its own merits. Uh, the problem, apparently, though, is that China has not done its work. And right now, especially with the bringing in all the NHL players now, which is, of course, great for the tournament. But for China, it puts them at an even larger disadvantage because now the other teams will be even better. And nobody wants to see 15 to nothing, 20 to nothing, right. whatever, right. you know, name a score. And so now the uh, that leaves the Ice Hockey Federation with some hard choices, uh, one of which could be that they remove China from the tournament. And the I think it's the 11th place team, which is Norway, would be then brought in. And uh, I've read that no Norway has already been told that they might be in the tournament. So it yeah. sounds... It sounds pretty bad for China and Chinese. And, and, and they're in a tough bracket, too. I understand the Chinese will have to play the United States, Germany, another powerhouse or two. So be tough sledding for them. Uh, let's talk a little, little bit about boxing and uh, what they think is happening, what is uh, taking place as far as their efforts to restore their reputation with the IOC. Um, Richard McLaren, the Canadian attorney who's been uh, poking his nose into the uh, IAAF, the, the Russian doping scandal, has also been investigating AIBA. And he says, shockingly, that there was corruption at the tournament at the 2016 Olympics in Rio de Janeiro. What more do we know about that? Well, it, he said uh, it's a people problem. It's uh, and uh, it's the structure, he says, the institutional structure and guidelines that 
Aiba had set up wasn't the problem. It was the problem that the, the higher ups in the Federation decided that the rules didn't apply to them and they would do what they wanted. And uh, he didn't name names, but we can easily figure it out when he says the then president of Aiba and the then executive director of Aiba at the time, 2015, 2016, were the ones, you know, ultimately responsible for the the mess that became of the tournament with the many questionable decisions made. Uh, I mean, to the point where even people who didn't know a lot about boxing would, would have watched a match and said, wait, you know, this is not possible. This guy didn't win this, this match. And so, um, you know, CK Wu, the president at the time and, um, Kareem, who is still an IOC member, I would mention. Uh, and Kareem Buzidi, who was, uh, um, the executive director and who apparently was the the point man who led all of this stuff uh, to do this. Um, that's those are the problems, and I would say that uh, the old phrase "culture of fear," which we hear yeah. often, we hear in the weightlifting federation issues right now, as part of the problem of you. You either do what you're told or you get thrown out of refereeing or judging or whatever. Um, and a lot of people uh, may not, you know, didn't want to follow, but they did because they didn't want to lose their jobs. And so um, I think, too, it's it has not been said, but I think this reinforces kind of one of the IOC's big worries about you know, the thing that has to change at Aiba is you can write all sorts of rules, but the culture there has to change. Yeah. They have to want to change. And the fact that a lot of the same people are there, whether or not they're guilty or not, you know, maybe they're completely innocent, but it, without a change in the culture, people are still going to find their way around the rules. Um, Aiba has put in place a lot of rules now for judges and referees uh, ahead of this, uh, the latest world championships, which are coming up in a few weeks. And, you know, including bringing in McLaren's group, you know, to do research and background and, and, and checks on them. But I don't know, you know, Aiba has done a lot, but whether or not the IOC is going to at the end of the day be willing to believe that the culture has changed, you know, that's kind of still up still to, to be proved. Yeah. yeah. Well, trying to prove itself, uh, Sebastian Fest, our editor of Around the Rings, talked last week, a few days ago, with Alejandro Blanco, the president of the Spanish Olympic Committee. And he says Madrid is eyeing another bid for the Olympic Games. Never say die. This will be the I guess fifth time, sixth time, maybe they'll have tried to bid within the past uh, 20 years or so. It would be, it would be nice if they could pull this off, you know, especially given their track record and of coming up short. Um, and they're excellent hosts of sports events, by the way. I mean, it would be a shame because it's a great place to have, an Olympic Games, but there's so much other things weighing against it, including time. 
I mean, they, they're looking at 2036 as the earliest for a possible bid. Well, you could say they, that gives them plenty of time, but in the new way of doing things, who's to say the IOC doesn't award award the 2036 Olympics in 2025 or 2024 even, you know, given the way things are working. I mean, it was what? It's 11 years ahead of schedule to give the 2032 games to Brisbane. So it's, uh, yeah, very difficult to see. You know, for, for, for cities which have dreams of uh, hosting the Olympics one day, it's getting to be very difficult to mount a campaign, a plan for an Olympic Games that might happen 10, 12 or more years from now. And uh, the things that could change between the time the IOC awards and the actual time it comes to uh, put on the Games. I see the time police are chasing after us. Very quickly, we ought to mention the uh, U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee is beginning their search for a new chair. Suzanne Lyons, uh, coming to her term limit as a member of the USOPC board, will step down next year at the end of 2022. But uh, I understand the board has already begun discussions about their search, who will, will be, whether it will be someone from the 15-member board of directors, won't be any of the uh, IOC members. They're not eligible to serve as, as president. Might not even be one of the current members. Maybe someone they recruit and bring to the board next year. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. And uh, don't forget, there's, uh, besides our mixed zone in English, there's Zona Mixta in Espanol with Sebastian Fest and Miguel Hernandez. Those, uh, if you would like to tune into that, we will have that also this week. Escuchar para Zona Mixta, por favor. How's that? That's good. That's good. Much better than I could do. Uh-huh. Uh, so anyway, that's it for this week's Mix Zone from Around the Rings. I'm Gerard Farrick. And I'm Ed Hula. Let's hear from you. If you got something to say, let us know. Comment at aroundtherings.com is where you can always find us. Thanks so much for joining us this week. So long. Bye-bye.